Hey guys, before we get started, we partnered with EasyRx Drug Card to help save you money on your prescription medications here in the U.S. It's free, there's no club to join, just bring the prescription discount card with you the next time you're filling your prescription to see if it can save you some cash. If it does, great, if not, throw it away. There's a link in our show notes where you can download, text, or print your prescription discount card. Give it a shot. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hello, Michael. Hey, baby girl. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good. We're a weekly podcast uh, talking about true crimes every Sunday morning. Uh, we've hit every single one. I think this is our 51st episode. So oh. we're almost up on a whole year of episodes. Potiversary. Yeah, the, I guess. Potiversary. Yes. Come hell or high water, we're doing it. Yeah. What, through COVID, I was coughing and hacking. I was probably miserable to listen to, but hey, we put one out. And to live with, mind you. Yeah, that's you have no choice in the matter. That's every day. The listeners, they can choose not to tune in. You have to tune in. You guys are lucky. You only get Allison one hour a week. I know. And then our patrons also get like two hours a week. That's a lot. That's a lot of Allison. I was going into a patient's room the other day, and the nurse warned me. She's like, you got to talk really loud. He's very hard of hearing. I go, just ask my husband. I can talk loud yeah your voice carries which is kind of emasculating because my voice doesn't carry and uh, yours you can hear yours across the room no problem mm-hmm. like if i want to talk pretty loudly to the kids and like you know reprimand them i have to be like hey here's the thing you know here's the thing kids you, know, you gotta listen to me and they're like dad why do you use such a weird voice why do you sound like is it the incredible hulk a cookie monster maybe cookie, like cookie a monster? cookie monster hulk uh yeah. grouchy oscar the grouch regardless can't take you seriously when you speak like that no no and they laugh and then they snicker and they run away and they don't listen to my things <laughs> but yeah those so, so uh thank you um oh i want to say yeah we come out with a weekly episode every sunday morning we've done been doing a good job that's because of you i mean you kind of push us i think we were a little late one day and one of our uh, listeners was like hey you guys okay and we're like oh yeah 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 i'll go do it but like every single time like around 9 10 a.m eastern mm-hmm. is what that's you our goal expect. yep and i um, wanted to shout out uh, some some awesome new reviews came in so we get a lot of new listeners from tiktok and instagram and all that so thanks for listening this one's by crafty julie she said my new binge con pod, pod yeah podcast stumbled <laughs> on this podcast and just love the content allison and mike create a balance of fun and quirky uplifting commentary to some of the most terrible crime stories Thanks for fulfilling my morbid curiosities. Keep the stories coming. By the way, I love you and your I love your voice and accent, Allison. Oh, how nice that is after coming down from the one that said I talk weird. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I love your voice. Like it's not my favorite thing about you, I would say. It's not? Probably your butt number how one. How come you make me call you from the other room just to speak in your ear? Yeah. Um how come I make you call me what? <laughs> How, okay. what is your, that went right over your head. Was that a question? I said, but then how come you make me call you from the other room just so I could speak into your ear in the phone? Well, that's such a foreign concept to me that I would never do that. That's why I was so confused. Oh, <laughs> like, what are you talking Mike, about? Go straight to hell. Yeah, I probably will. You go to hell. Yeah, I would say um, there's a lot of other features about you besides your voice that are uh, fantastic. My but, big um, booty, my they, big, my big boobs. Yeah, absolutely. Love I've boobs. got some big A cups. Yeah, so if uh, you could go ahead and if you enjoy this podcast, give us a uh, five star review on Apple and Spotify, and uh, we should be coming out with YouTube pretty soon. I just won a bid on a camera, so yeah. we'll, we'll see if this guy actually sends a camera that works. And we appreciate you guys very much. Absolutely, thank you, one hundred percent. Absolutely. You want to get started on today's story? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So this story takes place on an in the days before August 15th, 2016, and the location is Jupiter, Florida. So we're here in our current state of Florida. And I'll have you know. a little farther south. Jupiter, Florida, very, very rich town. Very rich. I've never been there. I hear, 
isn't Celine Dion live in Jupiter, Florida? Yeah, everybody like that you've ever heard of that lives in like Miami is near Jupiter. Okay, because it's just like a soup. It, I think now, don't quote me on this, but it's it's like top five most expensive places to live in America. Okay, so it's it's very very ritzy. Well, then I guess there's a reason we don't live there. Correct. <laughs> they don't wouldn't lo- like the slums of us. Yeah, I don't think we can you know afford anything there. Like S- even like a tiny little parcel of land. Well, who knows? I yeah. haven't looked at the real estate there. So in 2016, uh, Austin Haroof, which is who our main subject is, he was 19 years old. He was a sophomore at Florida State University studying biology. He was a member of the Alpha Delta Phi fraternity. He loved weightlifting and idolized Arnold Schwarzenegger. Easy one for me to say. I've been getting into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, He has an awesome documentary for anybody out there that's at all interested in him. Do not say the quote he says because it sickens me. Which one is it? About the him getting the high of weightlifting. Oh my god, I wasn't going to say that, but okay. now I will. Oh, it's so gross. Well, I have to. I, you listeners are wondering what you're talking Every about. Every time you talk about him, you say that quote, and it like ugh, it makes me sick. I didn't. I don't say it every single time, do <laughs> you I? You do. I was not going to say it, but now you have to know because I'd be an asshole if I didn't say it. So Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say, "Oh my god, getting that pump is better than coming." I'm like, oh, I don't want to think about him doing that. Yeah, and if you're wondering what I just said, yes, I said that. So he said doing that is better than that like actually lifting weights and getting that pump in your muscles to him felt better than anything well i think you've been following him more because you've been lifting weights more so maybe as like an inspiration so anyways this guy was into Arnold schwarzenegger very much into um weightlifting so he had been a wrestler and a football player when he was in high school austin had no criminal history he had no history of mental illness yet somehow this story ends with austin murdering two innocent people and injuring one Wow. So Austin had an Instagram account. He highlighted his love of fitness. He had a YouTube channel that contained videos of himself speaking about fitness and his love of bodybuilding as well as music. At the time, he was like an aspiring rapper. Um, one of the videos I had watched, like, I mean, I'm not going to say he was like great at it, but he liked it and that's fine. So his pseudonym um, for uh, his YouTube channel was Austy Frosty. And his Instagram account was Bible Bicep. I'm sorry, Bicep Bible. Ah. He had over 4,000 followers, and his YouTube channel currently has about 200,000 subscribers. Perhaps it went up because of the story that we're telling. You know, I was going to say that in this day and age, you can find all these things and like look how this person was like a normal human. Yes, they're all still active and out there. Turns out this psycho murdered people. Right. And he definitely rambles a bit on his YouTube channel. So like me, like me when I tell stories. No, no, a little bit more manically, I would say. So Austin was an advocate for the drug free bodybuilding and often posted about steroids not being natural, beneficial or necessary to his life or anyone else's. With this, he claimed that he no longer wants to follow Arnold or really any other bodybuilder. He said, I want to follow myself. I want to actually believe in myself. I just know that they're not me. I know what's right for me. I don't need drugs. Austin basically went on to make the point that being natural was a choice for him and that he felt better looking and being healthy. Well, a lot of back in the day, I'm not sure how it is now, but a lot of them, the weightlifters used those steroids Mm because they wanted to just be bigger and bigger, including Arnold and all that. Well, I mean, if you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's arms, how 
how is that humanly possible to look that way? Right. It's like and, a bicep doesn't get that big. Right. And it's interesting because it's it's like a work of art, basically. You're, you're chiseling. Like if you need a little bit bigger deltoid or shoulder or whatever, you just work that part you right. know, a little you bit. You work it. You focus on yeah. your nutrition. The two combine. And it's like, I think it becomes like very much of an obsession. Usually anybody who's gigantic is definitely doing something, whether it's human growth hormone. And creatine is definitely, you know, legal. I think, are anabolic steroids illegal? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't go to a gym any longer. My worst nightmare was being in a gym and watching the guys grunting and guzzling like gallons of water and looking at themselves in the mirror. I was like, get the hell out of here. I carry around a gallon of water just to make it look like I work out. <laughs> I'm eating chicken breasts and drinking gallons of water. In my Ooh, shorts, yeah, let's go out. My shorts are so short, like you could almost see my balls. And he's he's lying. Yes. So it's eerie, but the description of Austin's YouTube channel read, this, that fuck around music y'all been hearing about. I've got a psycho side and a normal side. I've lost my mind. Help me find it. And in this story, you're going to learn how Austin's psycho side really did come out. Like I said, it ended in two people dying and one person being injured. Yeah, you know, it's you You did let me in on this uh, story a little bit, so I'm not going to ruin anything. But no. There's things that are like... Just because he doesn't have a previous history of mental illness doesn't mean he's not a mentally ill person. Of course it's not. And one time I watched a documentary about kids that went off to college. And of course, this is Austin's age. He's a sophomore. At Florida State, right? They went off to college and then their parents started getting phone calls home that were becoming more and more erratic. And they were saying how common that diagnosis of, like, say, schizophrenia is at that age range. And I thought in my head, this is so scary because you raise your kids and you're like, oh, they're doing so well. And then all of a sudden they're given this, like, life-changing diagnosis. And it's it's just terrifying that you don't – you can't anticipate this happening. The brain's still changing quite a bit. Absolutely. So Austin was born on December 21st, 1996 in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. He had a sister named Haley who was one year younger than him, and his parents had divorced when he was 13. Austin's dad, Wade, was a dentist, and as Austin got older, the two became closer. When he was younger, their joint activity of fishing was more or less forced upon Austin rather than it being his choice to do it. Uh, dentists make a shitload of money. Yeah. Maybe, Makes sense that they live we should in be dentists. Jupiter. Yeah. So Austin described his mom, Mina, as really nice, very motherly, and someone who made us clean a lot. Maybe Cam would say that about me. He described his sister, Haley, as being a lot like him, which was reserved, but not while spending time with friends, like their true selves came out when they were close to somebody. At the time of this story, his mom and dad were both in relationships and living with their partners. Austin was raised a Presbyterian, though described himself as atheist starting at age 18. However, during the summer that the story takes place, Austin started to have renewed religious feelings and researched Krishna, Buddhism, and Jesus. Yeah, people want to have a connection to something. If if you like listen to nature, you got to feel that there's something out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like in uh, maybe not and uh, that's okay, but it's just I don't know, there's some force, you know, maybe unexplainable, you know, maybe not Buddha or or Muhammad or God or whatever you want to say. Something. something. Right. I feel that when I'm at the beach. Yeah. Especially like the beach during sunrise or sunset, I just feel such an energy and you know, everybody's got that happy place they go to. And that's just the small sun near us. You know, mm-hmm. that the sun, you look at the stars, all those are suns out there. Right. You know, there's a million different things, but not to digress. So he had his first alcoholic drink at age 17. He began drinking at parties at age 18, sometimes to the point of blacking out. He never drank alone, uh, though the, he did find that he was less anxious when he was drinking. 
During the summer of 2016, Austin stopped drinking and began to focus more on his fitness. He did increase his use of marijuana during this time, and he basically smoked every other day. So on Friday, August 12, 2016, Austin decided to throw away his marijuana. Apparently, he had gotten mushrooms as well. Whether or not he used them, I'm not entirely sure. Now, I'm kind of an expert in drugs. I don't use a lot of drugs, you know, alcohol, and you know, have used marijuana in the past. But um, I, it, for some reason, the whole thing fascinates me. And they, there's a lot of there's a, a link between psychosis and drug use. Well, of course, because you're trying to Escape. free your mind from what what turmoil it's under. And there's also something trying to get out too. Yeah. like the jail that it's in. The psychosis is trying to get out. Scary. And so you there there is so I don't know. You know, there's no definitive proof that either the drugs do it to you or that something was in and it helped to release it or whatever. Because there's definitely some correlation between heavy marijuana use and psychosis. Okay. So that, that's really interesting. Um, just I mean, to... it does make sense. There's a lot of um, drug addiction with mental illness because, like you said, they're trying to self-treat. Now, anybody out there, I'm an advocate for legalized marijuana, um, recreational everything, because I think adults should be able to choose what they want for sure. But it's, it's an interesting side story. So um, he also gave up his Adderall because he was having weird feelings. He did this in front of his mom and her boyfriend. He said he was concerned about purity and he didn't want to use anything that would interfere with his body. When later asked, he said he tried mushrooms, LSD, Molly, and Xanax once. In college, he used the stimulants Vivance about six times and Adderall four times to help him study. At the time of this story, Austin had no psychiatric history, like I said. He said he was very shy and socially anxious and suffered from episodes of sleep paralysis. He had depressive feelings since middle school, and as he got older, he said his depressive moods lasted for a few hours to a day or two and could happen anywhere from maybe about once a week. He started to have manic episodes in college, and his highs and lows became stronger. At the time of this story, he was working as a dental assistant, sounds like at his dad's practice, and he was dating a girl that he had met in college for about four months. In early August of 2016, Austin noticed that his thoughts were racing and he was having trouble sleeping. When he visited his girlfriend Katie in Tampa from August 4th to the 7th, he was sometimes only sleeping two hours a night. And that's enough to make you go crazy. It really will. And that's a huge thing in the hospital where I am. We oftentimes try to focus on people sleeping and then during the day making sure that the windows are open, like the blinds, and the lights are turned on because... The biggest cause of ICU psychosis is like flipped up sleep schedules. Like not sleeping can literally make a person crazy. Yeah. I mean, they use that as a form of torture, lack of sleep. Yeah, humans need it. Sleep is a very powerful thing. And it's a snowball effect. It affects absolutely everything else in your life. You eat worse because, you know, like all these different hormones get shot in a bunch of different directions. Absolutely. So he began seeing images of monsters and demon-like figures as he was just waking up in the morning. He also began feeling like he was fearless and had superpowers. And while he was working at the dental office, he believed that he could manipulate water while sterilizing dental instruments. Uh, that's where you start to think, hmm, maybe uh, if you ever start thinking that kind of stuff and like believing it, then yeah, definitely get checked out. Mm-hmm. There's there's help for you. I mean, there's a lot of sadness here. It's it's very sad that this happens. Uh, yeah, he's going down this, this hole. You can feel it, the tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. forming here. And it's not a good going to a good space. So he started to feel like Jesus. And around August 12th, he avoided any dark clothing. He was being drawn to like wearing white because it dark clothing was making him feel evil. 
He became fearful of the dark and avoided it, believing that the devil had power in the dark. In the days before August 15th, he feared that a dark spirit would kill him in his sleep. Now, how do we know this is what he was thinking? He says all of this. Oh, he's, he's alive. He's alive. Okay. He, oh, he doesn't die. He kills two people. Got it. Got it. Okay. So um, I hear he wasn't turning the lights off while he was trying to go to sleep at night because he was fearful of the dark. And obviously that's going to screw with your sleep too. I assumed he'd been like put to death by now or something. No, but, okay. no, he's alive and well. So during this time, Austin's internet searches included how to know if you're going crazy. Think you're going crazy? A a beginner's guide to psychosis. Mm -hmm. So he very much recognized that things were not well. And there's probably a small window where you realize you're not well to just accepting it like yep i've got these superpowers and maybe it's an in and out thing yeah because i see interviews of him after the fact and i mean granted he might be medicated at that point but he very much knows that the things that go down in the story were like wrong he he doesn't ever dispute that any any evidence on psychosis in the family no uh one of them said they always classified an uncle as weird right but never diagnosed mental illness no He sent his girlfriend texts in the week before everything goes down in the story that included, I've never felt better. I am honestly the happiest I've ever been, and it feels great. I believe in myself, and I don't care about anything possibly bad that can happen to me. And then he said, I think I'm legit crazy. It's like I can hardly sleep. And that's what these like manic episodes, you're high, you're low. So these texts are reflecting that. He says, I know it's hard to understand, and it's even harder for me to realize what I'm doing, but I am literally making the impossible happen. It's a lot of feelings of grandiose. Mm. Um, He says, I don't think I'm going crazy. I'm just evolving. I didn't know there was feelings of grandiose. So you just think that you're the shit. And man, that's where like these cult leaders come from out of nowhere and then decide to make their followers drink the Kool-Aid and kill everybody all at the same time. And there's different forms of mental illness. With bipolar or like manic depression, you are high. You are on top of the world. Your highs are through the roof. Your lows are through the floor. Whereas somebody like a cult leader might just be a psychopath. Yeah, but the thing is the grandiose, thinking that you're the one, like the chosen one. But is that different from like narcissism? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, are you saying a cult leader is like a manic depressive bipolar i don't i have no idea it could i i have no idea we're not psychologists psychiatrists I mean, we're not anything to be fair we kind of are because we talk about it a sure lot. sure close. we are um but uh yeah how much more schooling can we possibly need <laughs> but no it's it's the the grandiose thing is really interesting to me uh just i mean i i get the highs and lows think like being in a positive state of mind but that's different than grandiose and thinking holy cow like I'm, yes I'm really cool. That's it. So, and you can see the the texts are going back and forth. I think I'm crazy, and then no, I'm not. So he says I'm just evolving, becoming more intelligent, thinking that I'm worthy and just need to help others with the pain they have. That's all I want. On Saturday, August 13th, Austin began collecting people's business cards. He was believing that he could protect these people, but then he changes his mind, and the next day he tore up the cards, thinking that maybe the cards might have the op- opposite reaction. During this weekend, he also believed that water was related to the fountain of youth and would keep him young, so he was drinking excessive amounts of water during this time. He was very fearful of people and animals. 
On Sunday, August 14th, Austin went to a gun show with his dad and um, his girlfriend, Carrie. (laughs) Talk about a great spot for somebody that's going through psychotic episodes. So he didn't get a gun, but he did purchase a knife. Well, the nice thing in Florida at gun shows, it's really easy. You could just walk up and buy one. Just have some cash and buy buy several guns at a gun show. I don't know what it takes to purchase a gun. I've, I've never... Um, But he purchased a knife for protection from everything, was his reason. And on Monday, August 15th, this is the day, he woke up early that morning and wore his Michael Vick Falcons jersey because he believed that he had a special relationship with dogs. Initially, he believed that Michael Vick was a bad guy because of sponsoring dog fights, but then he became a good guy. He wore his aviator sunglasses because he thought they would protect him from evil. He went to the beach by himself that morning and ran like an animal. He said he jumped from rock to rock like an acrobat. He felt like he was half dog, half man, and sometimes half horse, half man. Austin, <laughs> this is insane. And it, it's sad. He believes this. Yeah. It, it's, it's really interesting because we have a behavioral health unit in our hospital and just reading the notes, it's it's really sad that this is their reality. Yeah. It's it's not reality, but to them it is. And if you if you're listening to this and you have a friend that has told you things like this, like man, I was running, I felt like I was, you know, and it's a little more than just fantasy. You well, know? you can hear the alarm bells go off in your hand, head when somebody's saying something to you. Yeah, try to get that person some help. Right, and that's where I don't know what his par- their par- his parents' headspace was during this time. I'll tell you more that lets me think that they knew they knew there was a problem i was wondering like he doesn't talk to his parents at all this time no, i mean Did, he's living with hints? his parents right so um while he was at the beach beach then he ran three to four miles to his dad's house to get his car during this time he stayed in the middle of the street as cars went around him he felt invincible and i'm sure the cars that were going around him were like what the fuck So when his dad came home at lunchtime, Austin must have appeared anxious because his dad told him to take a Xanax, but Austin refused. So clearly his dad is noticing some mania, manicness like going on. And the other thing is in like white America, there's, you know, take a pill for that. Chill out. And absolutely mental illness can require medication. Oh, sure. But don't just self-medicate. Don't use it as a Band-Aid. Well, no, get to the root of what the problem is so that you're prescribed the medication for your particular mental illness. Talk to a professional that knows how to. Yeah. Throwing a Xanax from maybe it was the dad's prescription. Maybe it was girlfriend's. I don't know whose prescription it was. That's not going to solve the problem, the root cause of what's going on here. Right. So um, Austin refused to take the medication. He took his dad took his car keys from him, which prompted Austin to jump onto the hood of his dad's car, which prompted his dad to then give his keys back to him. Finally, Austin did take the Xanax from his dad. He did not actually take the pill. He put it in his mouth as if he was going to, then removed the tablet and used it to write on the side of his car. Don't trust. So clearly he's spiraling. Austin went to his friend Sam ha- Sam's house. I guess he showed up unannounced. Uh, normally, that wasn't something he would do. He would text before, hey, can we get together? But he showed up. When he got there, he jumped on Sam's car because he felt like an acrobat. A lot of jumping on cars. They picked up Haley, which is Austin's sister, and went to the beach where they ran into five of Austin's frat brothers. Austin felt distant from his friends, so he walked away. After the three left the beach, they stopped at a gas station for healthy snacks. Austin continued to feel godlike and feel like he was half horse, half man, or half ho- half dog, half man, alternating between the two. 
They headed to the home of a, fr- a frat brother where others smoked weed and drank alcohol, though Austin did not partake. He took a beer. He poured it on his left hand, believing that he was feeding his hand. When they left, Haley didn't want Austin to drive because he had done an illegal U-turn earlier. So while Haley drove, Austin got into the hatchback because he felt like a dog that was riding in the back of the car. He probably got down on all fours and everything. Possibly. He told Sam and Haley that he had a sixth sense as they headed to his dad's house. So clearly he's saying things. He's not just internalizing them. He's saying alarming things to his friends and family. Guys, I feel like a dog right now. I'm going to go sit in the back. Yeah. It's all good. I'm going to have my tongue hanging out. You know, and it's not funny. Like, it's sad. Yeah. There he changed clothes and wore his hat backwards, believing that it would propel him forward. Austin, Sam, Haley, and his father went for a walk in on a natural nature trail, and Austin took out the knife that he had purchased at the gun show and attempted to take a leadership role, but his dad told him to put the knife away. So, you know, you're on this nature trail, you whip out a knife, you're like, I'm in a leadership role. This is bizarre behavior. I know. Outright bizarre behavior. I'm going to try that on you next time you try to like, you know, overtake me on something. I'm like, I'm in a leadership role. You <laughs> and I'm understand? Like, step off, Mike. Yeah. Nice try, buddy. Step the hell off. So again, this is overt, erratic behavior that's being displayed. Yeah. To say the least. Not just being internalized in his head. So his, do- his dad just told him to put the knife away. Here then, Austin began to sprint and jumped over a wall. Austin next recalled that his dad's girlfriend, Carrie, picked him up. So perhaps Austin's dad called his girlfriend and said, hey, can you look for Austin? He ran off. Well, she found him. Maybe nay for him. Um, Howl. Well, here's what they just decide next to head to Duffy's restaurant for dinner. Well, we can't find him. He's no, probably... they found him. Oh, okay. Carrie picked him up. Okay. So at Duffy's restaurant with dinner is Austin, his dad, Carrie, and then his friend Sam. So while they're sitting at the table, and I could, there's CCTV footage from this restaurant, very clear. You can see them in the back left-hand corner booth. So as Austin is sitting there, he said he felt stuck. He described it as a trapped feeling because it was taking a long time to get service at the restaurants. He felt the need to leave the restaurants. A panic attack. So I watched the video. Um, from what I could tell, he left the restaurant once and came back to the table. Then he left the restaurant again. This time, he actually walked to his mom's house. But before that, he said he felt like he was an angel of death and his dad's girlfriend, Carrie, was an angel of life. So he said he felt the presence of the Grim Reaper at this point. So he felt like, Austin felt like he was the angel of death. Yes. And the, his dad's girlfriend was the angel of life. Yes. And he was the, so, okay. So and he felt kind of, like the presence of the Grim Reaper being there. And that's, that's not a good thing because the Grim Reaper represents death. Correct. So Austin then left the booth and left the, the restaurant, actually went to his mother's house. His mom hears something in the kitchen. She doesn't know Austin's there. He was at dinner. His mom finds him in the kitchen actively drinking cooking oil, hmm. just guzzling Mazzola cooking oil. Yeah. And that's going to give you the shits. He said he has no recollection of this. His mom takes him, puts him in the car, drops him back off at Duffy's. Oof. Uh, so, so what you're trying to th- usually if somebody's drinking any kind of oil any kind of weird substance like that i mean yeah maybe ask them what they're doing it would Did be ask him very say, alarming doing? to see your kid in the kitchen 
guzzling cooking oil. That is not normal behavior. Well, that's where you sit them down and say, what is what is the meaning of this? What's going on? No, in my mind, that's where you take them to the nearest hospital. That's my thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, but so mental illness isn't like a hospital thing. Oh, I mean, sure it is. it is. You have inpatient psychiatric care yeah. where they can evaluate you, get you a proper diagnosis, get your medication set so that when you're discharged, you're kind of regulated. Right. I know it, things can happen in a hospital. You get help, but it's not like a broken arm where you're thinking of going to the ER. No, you know? of course it's not. But he's obviously in a mental health crisis sure. right now. And you've got to think that there were some hints that he's not right mentally. By well, this and there's to, more hints to that as I keep going. And not just the ones you've been telling us about, but also several mm-hmm. to mom and dad. Right. So and I I never want to judge because I wasn't living in that situation. I don't know what all was happening. I'm sure it's terrifying and confusing to have your your son suddenly start acting erratically. I'm sure it is. So mom, Mina, drives Austin back to Duffy's. Austin went back to the booth. He had changed his clothes. You could tell at least his shirt was different. Probably had a bunch of oil all over his shirt. It's probably true. So he went back to the booth where his family sat, and his dad grabbed him by the shirt, basically demanding to know what is wrong with you. Because as a somebody who is going to be you know the head of the household, you want to kind of say, okay, stop doing this. But yes, it's a lot further than that. He can't stop doing right. this. So Austin pulled back his fist as if he was going to strike his dad, but he didn't because Carrie asked him not to. For the second time, Austin left the restaurant. I actually think it was the third time, but he actually left again, like left, left. So he left the restaurant and began to walk towards his dad's house. I mean, he probably wasn't hungry after he drank a bottle of Mazzola. It's a lot of fats. It is. So um, he began to run and follow the stars, is what he said. And about three quarters of the way to his dad's house, he saw a dark figure with a white face and believed it to be evil. The figure turned out to be a friend of his cousin's named Daniel. Daniel said, hey, Austin. And despite recognizing the voice as Daniel's, he believed that Daniel was trying to kill him, so he sprinted away while screaming. He made a left turn and noticed a white light coming from a garage. And this is where everything takes a horrific turn for the worse. Man. So the light is coming from the home of 59-year-old John Stevens and 53-year-old Michelle Maishan. He doesn't know them at all. No, he has no idea. He, the couple had been married for about 19 years. They had met in 1997 at a financial firm in Miami where they had both worked. In the meantime, John had left the company and started his own business in landscaping. John had two children from a previous relationship. And at the time of the story, the two were retired and enjoying their calmer lives together. They were a very social couple, very friendly, outgoing, loving, they were madly in love. They often rode around on their na- in their neighborhood on their golf cart with their dog, Rebel, in tow. I mean, they were just one of those couples that everybody in the neighborhood knew. Kind of the opposite of me. <laughs> I'm just not, like, outwardly social like ah, that. People know you. Yeah, you're not looking to go make new friends. I'm not going to sit, like, outside hoping somebody is going to come up and strike a conversation. I love talking with people. You pull into the garage and close the garage before you get <laughs> no, out. No, but I'm just not that outwardly social. So John and Michelle often hung out in their garage with their door open. They shared drinks and socialized with neighbors, kind of as a platform of like, hey, if you guys are free and walking by, people would often stop and and have a beer or whatever. Sure. So they had a TV in the garage, probably watching sports and things like that. They had chairs set up, basically a gathering space. 
Um, one of their neighbors, Jeff, was getting ready for bed at about 9.15 that night when he heard the sounds of a woman screaming. About five minutes later, Jeff called 911. He told them that he was bleeding profusely and that a young man was beating up a woman in a garage. He said he didn't know why it was happening or who the person was. After Jeff heard the woman screaming, he went outside to investigate. He saw John and Michelle's garage door open, as it often was. He saw a white male, who was Austin. Austin was hitting Michelle. She was lying in a pool of blood, not moving or speaking. I can't stand male-on-female violence. Ugh, that's You'll notice that about me. It, uh, not you, Allison, but the listeners. Right. Just disgusting. As he approached the scene, Austin told Jeff, you don't want to, you don't want this, you don't want any part of this. Austin began to attack Jeff, striking him on the side of the head. Jeff was able to hit Austin and pull him to the ground. After Really? Yes. Good for Jeff. What is he, 60-something, you said? Oh, I didn't say Jeff's age. Okay. Somewhere but, around but the age. Yeah, I don't know if he was, he was going to bed that early, whether it was for work. I'm not sure. He's probably in his 50s, 60s, yeah. somewhere like that. So uh, he got Austin to the ground and then ran through Michelle's and John's house, left the backyard to get back to his house so that he can call 911 for help. Hmm. So this is when he realized that he had been stabbed multiple times. You know, your adrenaline's pumping. You're in this situation. Like he was getting ready for bed five minutes earlier. And now all of a sudden he's realizing he's bleeding profusely from stab wounds. Yeah, you think you got scratched or something in the fight. And mm-hmm. then you look down, you got an open wound. So as the police arrived, they were met with an absolutely horrific scene. So at some point during Austin's attack on Michelle, John, her husband, had arrived home. It sounds like he was out walking the dog in the neighborhood. Can you imagine walking your dog up the street towards your house and you see your wife being brutally attacked by a teenage boy? No. So he stumbles upon the scene. So as the police are arriving, Austin is in the garage on top of John with his legs wrapped around John's body. When the police got closer, they could see that Austin was frantically biting down on John's face and chest, actually eating his flesh. So it sounds like he had his hands like pulling out John's cheek and was just gnawing down on the flesh and like spitting out pieces, eating pieces, just like an absolute wild animal. So, I mean, imagine the police, they're like, what the hell is happening here? So police draw their guns, though they didn't fire because they were fearful that they would also hit Jeff. Because he's on top of him. him. So they ended up tasing Austin, though he was completely unfazed. He was on a mission and nothing was going to stop him. So they tase him and he just continues to viciously bite at John's face. They tried, though they were unable to handcuff Austin. A canine then is released, immediately clamps down on Austin's arm, briefly tears it away from John. Austin takes his harm, arm and just yanks it free from the dog. He's like shredding his muscles. And you can see them probably at this point. Right. But it's like it's not happening. Right. He's completely unaware that this is happening. And he's only focusing on what he wants to happen to John. Like a wild rabbit animal. Like a completely wild animal. So at this point in time, police begin kicking him in the head repeatedly. He would kind of come off from the kick and immediately clamp back onto John. Well, his brain is probably, you know, bouncing around in his head. So it's like, whoa, whoa, let's reset. Okay, let's go eat this guy. So eventually the police got one of Austin's hands cuffed and were able to yank him and drag him off by his wrist. 
And then at this point, Austin begins to scream at the police, asking them to shoot him, to kill him, saying, fucking kill me, fucking kill me, shoot me now, I deserve to die. He's, He's just probably screaming. so done with himself. He's probably just out of his mind, and now and he realizes it. If you could see pictures of him at the scene, it's very, very disturbing. Mm. So John is crying out in pain. He's bleeding profusely from not only his face, but multiple stab wounds to the torso. And sadly, he and his wife, Michelle, were both pronounced dead at the scene. Ugh, can you imagine being no. in that immense pain? Like, you can't do anything to stop any of it. Like, at least with a cut, you know, you can kind of put something on it. Like, just pain everywhere throughout your body and bleeding everywhere. And your wife is laying there. I like, mean, this is a Monday evening. Michelle's hanging out in the garage. He's like, oh, I'm going to go take Rebel for a quick walk around the block. And your life is over. Yeah. In a matter of minutes. It's just... It honestly, it gives me like chills to even think that this happens. Stories like these make us you know, think about when we're in our garage and somebody's walking by. It's like, just don't come over here. No, I, I mean, no joke. When I get in my car at work, I immediately hit lock on the door because oftentimes I'm like fiddling with my phone to get charged and stuff like that. And I've just gotten to be kind of paranoid. Well, you work at a hospital too. Well, There's a behavioral health unit. So. Not on my site. It isn't. It's on another campus. And I leave work at like 1.30 in the afternoon. It's not like it's nighttime, but I've just gotten paranoid. Paranoid. So Michelle's cause of death was blunt force trauma. And then Jeff, the neighbor, had stab wounds to his lower back. He had internal bleeding and had broken fingers, cuts to his head, and actually required an exploratory surgery to his stomach due to bleeding. So because obviously he'd been stabbed. Sure. So two hours after the initial attack, about 11 p.m. that night, Austin's mom, Mina, not yet knowing about what happened, called 911 to report that her son had taken off and that she was concerned for his safety. She was reporting that he was acting strange and delusional, this being a recent change. And it was just kind of eerie to hear her call, yeah. not realizing that he had killed two people. So she just decided out of nowhere to call 911? Well, because he had left the restaurant. They didn't know where he was. Yeah. They're at Duffy's restaurant at, I don't know, maybe the 8 o'clock hour or something like this. Okay. It's now 11 o'clock and no one's seen Austin. Yeah. Okay. So they're worried. Yeah. So Austin was taken to the hospital and needed to be sedated due to his ongoing violence and aggression. His tongue had been nearly chewed off and he had external cuts and abrasions. He was also suffering from internal damage, having drank what he thought was alcohol from John and Michelle's garage, but it could have been a chemical solution. I couldn't find out exactly what it is he drank. It could have been bleach. It could have been anything. Sure. So he basically started to have like organ failure during this time. But eventually, he did recover from this. I guess I would say lucky, but I don't know. Police initially thought that Austin could have been high on bath salts or flaca. Right. Anytime you start hearing eating the face, you yeah. think of bath salts. Number that, one. That's happened here in Florida. Yeah. Toxicology reports were positive for alcohol, but they did say something that the alcohol traces could have come from whatever chemical he consumed. Mm. So it might not have been that he was even drinking alcohol. Yeah, and like we said, he didn't like alcohol. No, at this point in time, he was focusing on purity. They did find trace amounts of marijuana in his system. He was not tested for psilocybin, the hallucinogenic substance found in mushrooms, because the FBI doesn't have a validated method for testing. Also, due to 
search warrant procedures, Austin's toxicology sample was taken 24 hours after the attack, whereas psilocybin can leave your system in as little as 12 hours. Yeah, lots of drugs. Like, really, the one that sticks around for a long time is marijuana. In trace amounts of marijuana, he may have had it a month ago. Sure. So the question is, was he high on mushrooms? They don't know. I don't think somebody... Now, I'm not an expert, but I don't think somebody on mushrooms is going to kill somebody and eat somebody's face. What about underlying mental illness with mushrooms? Um, I'd be... Just based off of my knowledge of mushrooms, like you want to sit and chill and look at the world because it's moving in front of you. You know, like I guess that would explain when he saw his friend or cousin or whatever. The cousin's friend. Yeah. Um, that he thought he might be a demon, you know, that the mushrooms would lend to that. But it doesn't make you aggressive. Like mushrooms, I've never had them, but it just it, it chills you out and you look at the world and things are moving. Like the floor will look like it's moving around you. And you look at your hand, it looks like they're worms kind of stuff. But this is someone that's not, you know, in a good mental state to begin with. Right. So after Austin was in custody, he had a vague recollection of picking up a machete or something and stabbing. And it says stabbing and biting Michelle. Whether or not he bit Michelle, I don't know. He believed he was a dog at the time. He recalled drinking something in the garage. He then recalled seeing a man in the doorway with a dog, and this was John. He believed that he had stabbed him too. He remembers stabbing Jeff, the neighbor. He said he doesn't have words to explain how he feels. He feels like he's living in a nightmare. And when he was interviewed by Dr. Phil, he said, I'm sorry for their loss. I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. I'm so sorry. He basically was sobbing uncontrollably just over and over saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did Dr. Phil do? Just kind of sit there and like let him. They were on Zoom. It must have been maybe after COVID. I'm not sure. But he just let him just sob and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I never wanted this to happen. Sometimes Dr. Phil can be harsh, you know, and that's one of the more entertaining parts of him, I would say. Was he harsh to him and all that? No, not in the clip that I saw. But how can you be harsh with somebody that was in a full-fledged psychotic breakdown? Like, you weren't dealing with the person, like... It's like it wasn't Austin. It was somebody. And he, wasn't, he wasn't just like, no, yeah, I'll do it again. You know, no. that's where you'd be like, okay, you're out of your mind. But it's like, it's it's got to suck so bad to be Austin to have this where it's on your mind and on your conscience of your your your, your healthy mind, I guess, sure. healthy portion of your mind. He knows what he did was like horrific. He probably can't even imagine that he was able to do it, no. and, or the the evil side of him, or whatever it might be. No, and he's got to live with this, which is worse than dying. To me, you probably would have fleeting moments where it wasn't on your mind, but for the majority of like the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning, the last thing you think of when you go to bed is like that you destroyed two lives and then those of everybody around them who knew them was, you know, affected and destroyed. This is an interesting case to talk about euthanasia of yourself, you know, like even though he's not like on a cancerous, you know, ride to be dead, you know, not stage five cancer where he knows he's dying in a few months. This is something where he's like, I can't live with myself, please. Like, I, I wonder if the healthy side of him would be like, please kill me, please, 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 I don't please. know. I don't know. Yeah. So Austin has been charged with two counts of first degree murder for the deaths of John and Michelle, as well as attempted first degree murder for his attack on Jeff Fisher. He was found to have been suffering from severe mental disease, specifically bipolar disorder and acute manic episodes with psychotic features, as well as clinical lycanthropy decisions which is also known as werewolf syndrome ah lycanthropy decisions 
Yeah. The old lycanthropy decisions. I'm like, you know what that means? No. Nope. In the psychologist's evaluation, it's determined that Austin meets criteria for legal insanity. It's also specified, though, that even with mental illness, an event like this is highly unusual and that those with mental illness are no more likely to commit violent crimes than ordinary members of the public. Research does show, though, that violence risk is increased in individuals with bipolar disorder who also engage in substance abuse. Now, that's one thing you told me about before the story. Yeah. And I call bullshit because... Okay, let's argue with a, uh, a psychiatrist. No, no, no. I'm not saying that their data is wrong. I'm saying that there's probably plenty of cases where the person is never diagnosed with something and then they kill somebody. Well, I would imagine that you'd have a psychiatric evaluation. Or maybe they killed themselves or whatever, you know. It, maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I'm going to believe the expert. So no, I'm not saying the numbers are wrong. Again, I'm saying it's it's hard to say that everybody that ever done something didn't have some kind of a mental illness, you know? Yeah, I don't know. So they said when violence does occur, it's usually involving family members. So like I said, the the chances increase if you have this mental illness and you're on taking drugs, then you have an increase. But if you're not, there's no greater chance that you're going to become violent. Ah, see, like what I said earlier. So like marijuana especially has been known to bring out more mental illness. Yeah. So if you have mental illness in your family and you're a heavy marijuana user, that's definitely something to be considerate of. And again, I'm not against... The use of, you know, recreational drugs for adults that know what they're doing. Um, and in excess of anything, I'm against that, obviously. But uh, you, you have to know the risks of anything that you're ingesting in your body. Of course. So neither was the case for Austin, though, because his toxicology report showed that he wasn't actively on any kind of drugs and he killed people that he never knew. So he is kind of an outlier of what is normal. Not even... It, like what I said earlier, it opened the door. Like when he was a heavy marijuana user every other day, that kind of thing can like unlatch the lock from the, the psychosis and say, okay, buddy, you're in my you're brain running now. free. Yeah, exactly. So it's been more than six years since the attacks and Austin's trial is set to begin in November. So he still hasn't gone to trial. Obviously we've lived through COVID that pushed everything off. So he is expected to invoke the insanity insanity defense, though, when he does go. I mean, what better like instance is there that there was a mental health crisis? Yeah. Do you believe everything that you read about this? I he he felt he was a horse and a dog and all that stuff. Absolutely believe it. And one thing I had seen or read, um, as they were walking towards Duffy's, he went to walk towards traffic because he said, "I'm invincible." I mean, he was absolutely. In a crisis at this point. I believe that wholeheartedly. Again, I am not a psychiatrist or have any experience in that, but just reading this, you could just tell there was a lot going on in terms of he couldn't sleep, his text to his girlfriend, the Google searches he was doing. I mean, it sounds like he was in a full-fledged crisis. Yeah. It's very sad. I mean, the fact that Michelle and John lost their lives is beyond tragic, beyond. But it's also very sad that this, now he's, what, 25 years old, I mean, he's going to live with this hell for the rest of his life. It's it's horrible. And then Austin's family, the guilt they might feel of like, I could have done something. I should have gotten my son help. What they're going through, I don't know. I couldn't begin to imagine. But it just sucks all around is really what it comes down to. Now, his future, I mean, I'm sure he can probably get on some medication that will help him. But it, as is the case in most of these situations, 
at some point he's probably going to think he's cured and he's going to get off the medication and then he's going to be back to psychosis. Right. And that is what I've seen with people with bipolar disorder. Oftentimes they come off their medication thinking, I don't need it anymore. I'm cured. I'm and fixed. then they're back in a crisis. So it's and especially just... him who, when he went into this, he felt pure, you know, I need to be pure, need to stay mm-hmm. away from pills, need to like, you know, and maybe that's part of like the, the the sickness inside of you knowing that it can be maybe helped with pills or something you yeah. know and almost like a I'm, I'm i'm viewing like a like a worm or you know, like a parasite you know that's like eating away at your brain that doesn't want the pills because it knows it'll kill it or or at least pause it for a little bit i don't know i can't begin to know but i mean really i i do feel for people that suffer from mental illness it's it's really sad absolutely i mean did he do a horrible thing yeah and does he deserve punishment 100 percent, like anybody else would but. and we will link some numbers in our um show notes you know if you f- know somebody that is potentially suffering from some sort of mental health crisis you know, maybe if they're not seeing reality, you can help them get the help they need. And if you've noticed little things like that, like do you think you can move some cups? You can't. I promise you, you can't. Like you, you've you got to look into getting some help. You can't move cups. You can't um, manipulate water with yep, your mind. Right. And you're not a dog. You're not a horse. Like it seems silly. And if if that kind of stuff has happened, then get some talk to someone. Mm-hmm. There's there's resources. There's free resources for sure. Because I can't imagine how scary it is to be. And obviously, he was identifying problems. He was making the Google searches. Am I crazy? How can I tell if I'm crazy? That's got to be a really scary place to be in. Like I'm losing my fucking mind. And don't think of it as crazy. Think no. of just your brain's different. Absolutely. It it's, it's chemicals. It's hurt. It's basically hurt somehow. Yeah, you know? absolutely. There's no shame in needing some help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, good coverage there. Um, I do want to say if you enjoyed this, then uh, we actually make bonus episodes every two weeks and they're available for our patrons only. On every Patreon. time you say bonus, I always want to go, but bonus, 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 and then do that, wah, 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 that horn. <laughs> oh, I hate that. <laughs> we were at a party the last couple oh. weeks and the DJ wasn't that great. And uh, he was going, wah, 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 wah. and I was that's like, so oh, dumb. Gosh, that's like, that was cool. Maybe 20 years ago or so. I, I don't, don't even know. know I never was. really thought it was was cool but yeah. i'm not cool so what do i know well i'm super cool so. you are mike yeah so at least one of us is if you want to listen to some more episodes go to patreon and uh, become a patron uh we want to say thank you to our patrons colleen lily karen nadine Allie, michael kelly dominic and brian so thank you so much for uh, supporting us with your hard-earned money we hope to make you proud. We like. do. I strive to, and we're going to be recording a bonus episode right after this, and I'm going to try to make you guys proud of me. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much <laughs> for listening. Thank you so much. And until, until next, next time, time. Bye. Bye. Whoa, did the whole thing.